Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm Cesar Hernandez, your host for today, and a special Q&A episode of the podcast. Uh, earlier, earlier today, we asked you to send in your questions to us via Twitter, so we'll be going through those shortly. But first, let me introduce my co-host for tonight. We'll start with Tom Marshall over in Mexico City. Tom, it's a... Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's 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 a bit strange to ask people how they're doing these days, but how are you doing, Tom? Not bad, Cesar. You know, just uh, getting on with things as best uh, best I can. But yeah, you know, can't complain. You know what I mean? It's just uh, same. It's been the same situation for the last few weeks now. Just uh, staying inside and and only going out really for I don't know supermarket and a bit of exercise now and then. That's right. You got you got Call of Duty, so 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 you're fine. Uh, <laughs> all, <yeah. laughs> all right, so now we'll move across town to Adriana Terrazas, who is also in Mexico City. Adriana, uh, how are things going? Um, they're doing okay. I mean, the same as the last, I think, like seven weeks now. But um, I, yeah, it's, everything's going good. I mean, I think people are starting to get the hang of like all this quarantine stuff. Not as many as we think, but um, but yeah, it's all good. My cats appreciate the attention. So, so yeah, it's good. <laughs> well, I would say that you that you have Call of Duty, but we all know that you have a Nintendo sixty four and that you've been playing a lot of Mario Kart. I assume you've been playing a lot of Mario Kart. I've, I've I have been playing Mario Kart. I also like picked up um, Legend of Zelda, which I have to say I'd never actually finished, but I, now I like Google every like every single like level, and that way I'm actually making progress. So yeah, that, <laughs> that's that, it's a work in progress. <laughs> that happened to me with my like I had like a, a Sega emulator. And then I had to, I, I finally finished Sonic the Hedgehog 3 when I was like in my mid 20s. But anywho, the <laughs> last, last podcast we ended up spending, talk about video games for like three or four minutes. I'll stop that there. <laughs> so, our, so let's get the show started and uh, uh, kick things off uh, with our questions. We're gonna, we, got a, we got a fun one here from Gustavo Ortega, who is at Gustavo A underscore Ortega on Twitter. And he asked, favorite Liga Mekis moment? Tom, let's start with you. Favorite Liga Mekis moment? Um, I'd say the the finals. I think I think the Liga Mekis finals are, are always good fun. Um, I don't know. When I first came here, I didn't I didn't really like the the playoff system at all, <laughs> and I probably still prefer you know a straight league. But I don't know. You definitely definitely kind of learn to to appreciate the. You know the build up to the final, the the different skills that you need to to kind of negotiate a playoff compared to you know the long haul of a of a season. And I don't know, just going to the going to the finals and seeing you know big cities kind of just I don't know, just really really get into it and kind of it just kind of be the focus of the attention for for the places where the the final are taking place. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think I've, I've been to quite a few now, like Monterrey. Oh, so is there a specific one? That, is there a specific one? That's like... I, I'm, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, the I think the Monterrey versus Tigres one was was very good. Obviously, the America Cruz Azul because it was a derby as well. Um, but you know, even the you know Toluca against Santos and the Queretaro Queretaro Santos one as well. Um, I don't know because the the kind of smaller places, but I think the the best one was the Chivas v Tigres. Yeah. Two thousand seventeen. I mean, I think if there was a moment, you know, I'd say that was that was my favorite favorite moment just because it was just so intense and just one of those moments that you know it could compare to you know any any top league in the world I mean just looking back at that especially the second leg although the first leg was really good as well you know you've got this kind of all Mexican Chivas team and 
you know that that goal from Alan Polito, which was yeah. unbelievable. I mean, yeah. and that was an absolutely perfectly placed volley against his old club. You know, he kisses the badge right after it. You know, you had Tigres coming into the game. You know, we're the big club. We're you know we we we're the ones spending the money. Chivas not so much these days. And um, you know, Chivas obviously a big in name. Obviously have the fan base, but you know, not having won a title for for what I think almost ten years. Um, and you know you put all that into it, and then you know the the 89th minute when Sosa goes over um, Jaya Jaya Pereira, and and kind of it's a blatant penalty, <laughs> like it was definite. There's no, there's absolutely no way it wasn't a penalty. And then you know the referee doesn't see it, and <laughs> and you know Chivas Chivas win the title. And I mean it was just uh, just an amazing occasion, and and all the way through the Liga, you know I think I said it before, but it was just. Uh, to see kind of the Chivas kind of machine, just the the awakening of this kind of you know nationwide movement, just in support of Chivas was something that was uh, I don't know you could really see what it meant to people and um, and yes, yeah, so I'd say I'd say that game and I think the quality yeah. was high as well. I mean I think you have to put Almeida in that as well. I mean the way the way he approached those two games um, I think said a lot about him. Like, like they went at they went at Tigres. You know they weren't sitting back waiting for him. I mean they really had a go at him. So um, so yeah, that's my uh, favorite League X moment. If anything, they should they should make that period of uh, of time for Chivas into a, a documentary of some sort, right? Like uh, like I, I don't know, maybe they should make some sort of documentary about Chivas. <laughs> it makes <laughs> but... a good one. <laughs> or um... an Amazon Prime series. <laughs> uh, Adriana. Uh, what comes to mind for you when you think of your, your favorite Liga Mekis moment? Um, well, being a Chivas fan, I also thought about the Chivas Tigres final. I mean, just the, the entire story behind Almeida. I can actually remember myself when, when they presented Almeida. I was like, oh my God, what does this guy know about Mexican soccer? And then it just took me like a month and I was like, oh, I actually like what he's saying and I like the attitude. And then it just ended up in the championship. It only but took I, you a month? It took, well, it took a lot of other people a little bit of time. <laughs> no. It, the thing is, it, it was like, um, in, in Spanish, you would say, me, me dulce el oído. He says, like, sweet things to your ear, and it just, like, starts to convince you. So, yeah, I, I, it, it was pretty quick. Um, I, I'm, I guess it wasn't as difficult for as a fan to just be like, oh, maybe this guy is a good idea. I don't know. Um, uh, for me, as soon as Almeida said, um, I'm not... He said, I'm not here to save this club from relegation. I'm here to awaken the Giants. Awaken the Giants, yeah. As soon as he said that, he had my attention. As soon as he said it, it was like, all right, now you're talking. He's like, we're not going to go to Club America and try for a draw. We're going to go there and win. And then when you saw him play just a couple of months later, I think I was at the Azteca. It was like two months after Almeida. And he didn't have a great start, if I remember rightly. But a couple of months later in the like, I remember, I think I think Obelin Pineda might have scored a goal. But it wasn't just, it wasn't the score, it wasn't the result, nothing to do with it. It was the attitude of, we're Chivas and we're going to go out Club America in the Azteca. Like, that's, yeah. this is what the club means. We're a big club. We've got 40 million fans. Let's go for it. And yeah, I mean, that's, I completely agree. I think Almeida, he just got it. And I think because he's played at, you know, obviously come through River Plate, you know, played at Lazio, um, I think he got it. I think he got what it means to be in a really big club. And I think some, some people, some managers go to Chivas and they just, they just don't get that. Yeah, he yeah. got, and there's also too. I mean, I mean, I think part of the criticism too is like, yeah, he he managed River Plate for a little bit, but some people looked at his resume and thought like, who is this young guy? Who is this guy who ha- doesn't have really a long managerial career? Because it's it's easy to forget. And he's still in his what? He's like 
it's got to be like in his, still in his mid 40s at this point, uh, you know, or, or right now. But at that point, he was uh, must have been in his early 40s. So I think people were definitely critical of that. But you know, it's just easy to forget just, you know, just the amount of the, the amount of success that he accomplished during that the, the, the short amount of time that he was there with the, the Copa Mekis titles, the CCL titles, the the, the Super Copa Mekis, the Liga Mekis. It's it's incredible to to see what he accomplished in that sh- short amount of time. Yeah, it really changed. I mean, it was just such a great way to just make sure that that rivalry against America was it just hyped it up really big, like enormously. It was something that didn't happen before. I mean, and every single season with Chivas, it was like, oh, no, this is like the 20th coach in the Vergara era. And now, oh, now here goes another coach. So it was just something so different and so successful at the same time that it was just a great story. Um, I would also add, I mean, obviously the finals are all, like the best stories. I remember mm-hmm. the, the Pumas Tigres final um 2015 that was amazing that was a, yeah. like that was just a great yeah. final to watch i can't remember like Diggs winning 3-0 and then the second uh the second leg at pumas um they went to penalty kicks and it, it was just like a matter of minutes for pumas to actually like just put the entire thing around um guignac scoring as well and obviously the 2013 america cruz azul file was yeah. just yeah. so oh, yeah. crazy i mean it was just that one should be made into a movie as well yeah uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was, I mean, I just remember because I was so eager to, to, to write for the first time in my professional career, Cruz Azul is Liga Max champion, which I still haven't been able to do. <laughs> and I remember they were so close. I mean, it was just this entire story. And then every time I think of it, it's like, I can't imagine how much Mexican soccer would have changed if Cruz Azul had actually gotten that victory because... I'm pretty sure Memo Vasquez would have been coached for the Mexican national team just a couple months afterwards because that's when they gave it to Miguel Herrera. Yeah, so it, yeah, it was yeah. just so many things could have changed. I mean, just because of, of that game. And I, I mean, it was just like Teofilo missing and hitting the goal post. And it, it was, oh my God, it was just crazy. You forgot like the red card too. And just yeah, like, they, yeah. They played against 10 men. Yeah, the red card, <laughs> yeah. What were they, what were they at that point? 2-0 up playing against 10 players. Yeah. For like... 70 minutes it's like you gotta see it you can't can't ask for more you know what i mean even when you get to the 88th minute when you think about it you're playing against 10 players you've got three four minutes to go you're two zero up you can't blow that you know what i mean you just cannot blow that and and like four minutes i mean it it was was everything though it was it was the rain and everything wasn't it it was absolutely throwing it down That was that was beginning of the the gifable Miguel Herrera. Like that's when that's yeah. when the that's when the soccer world was introduced. Like not not people in Mexico or like North America, but that's like people like outside of North America were just like, who is this guy? Like what is happening? <laughs> like that's that's what Miguel Herrera like first went viral was during yeah. that moment. <laughs> and then a year later when the World Cup came and yeah. everyone yep. just looked yep. it up and it was like, oh yeah, that dude. Yeah, that, it's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I think those would be my favorite. I mean, obviously all like most finals, but definitely those three were pretty special. Yeah. Well, for me, I have a I have a I have a pretty boring answer actually, to be honest. But it it is my favorite Liga Mekis moment. So this was uh, actually a one to one draw between Cholos and Pachuca back in January two thousand sixteen, and for me, the reason why it's my favorite Liga Mekis moment, uh, even though this is a little four, four years ago, to fairly boring draw to start the season. It was because it was my uh, first ever uh, Liga Mekis match I had attended as credentialed media. You know, I'd, I mean, I'd written about the league for two to three years beforehand, uh, but this was, I mean, after finally moving down to San Diego uh, and make a decision to, like, cover Liga Mekis matches in person, this was the very first one. So for me, it was that 
very, very, very. I remember it being quite boring, but I didn't care. I was just, and the funny thing is too, like I'd covered Mexico matches before uh, in the United States, and of course, um, all of those have been very fun. But I, I mean, I was just thrilled, just it, absolutely thrilled to be to be covering this game in January 2016. So it's it's a selfish answer, but I mean, if, if we're talking about my favorite League of Mikey's moment, it was that first game uh, that I got to cover uh, in person. Right. All right. Cool. cool. All right. Let's let's move on to uh, the next question. Who is from uh, Luis Rodriguez? Who is at l underscore rod on Twitter? And he asks, "How legit is interest for Guardado from Atlético? And in turn, does it come at the cost of Hector Herrera's place as a colchonero?" So, Adriana, you are the newsroom manager over <laughs> through the end. So, what whispers have you heard about this? Tell us. Um, not much, really, because, I mean, Guardado just renewed his contract with Betis, and apparently he was rumored to join MLS um, just before renewing with, with Betis. So I'm guessing it's really difficult because we have to consider that, I mean, he's 33 years old. If it's following summer, yeah. he'll be like 34. I mean, it's just right for him to join MLS if that's in his plans. I mean, they could make lots of money out of Hector Herrera because he joined from Porto as a, like a free transfer. So they could yeah. just, whatever they make is just, like it's good for them um but it just seems odd to think that they'd actually go for guardado especially because of his age yeah. so i'm guessing he's going to end his contract with betis and then I'm, I'm i'm guessing he'll probably move to mls i mean it's become such an attractive market um we're seeing so many rivalries with mexican players um it's a totally different like living situation for them so i'm guessing it's probably leaning more towards that i mean despite the fact that yeah Herrera, i guess he could leave I, I'm pretty sure he's not um, doing as well as he thought he would. The change has been enormous for him. I mean, he, he's talked about this in, during interviews and just said that, yeah, he came over as captain of Porto, just being loved by fans. And he's actually struggling to make sure that he has like a starting position with Atletico. But still, I mean, you want to stay at Atletico. I mean, it, it's really difficult to think that your situation could be better. I mean, you're in the Spanish league, you're in a top three team, you're going to play Champions League. So I'm guessing he'd like to to, to just stay at Atletico. But if it comes up to the team, they won't lose any money at all. They're going to, whatever they can do, they're going to win um, with that situation. So I'm guessing um, it just depends on how the team actually ends this season, whenever it does yeah. uh, end. Uh, but I'm guessing Guardado actually joining them is is kind of far fetched. Yeah, and Guardado, I mean, he's he's one of my my favorite Mexican national team players, and he's he's pretty well rounded in the midfield. We all know he has an incredible work rate. And uh, you know this, and this also isn't the first time that Letty have been rumored to be keeping an eye on him in recent years. But like you said, Adriana, I mean, he's he he he's not exactly the youngest player, and also he you got to remember he's he's also pretty injury prone. I, I feel like we talk about uh, Guardado injury at least a few times per year. So a guy who's you know not exactly young, a guy who is a bit injury prone, I mean that just that that seems like a risk to me uh for someone like Atleti. So I, I, I can't see this happening. I think this rumor, if I remember correctly, it's from from Don Balon once again. Oh, this, this blog I I did not blog or web or website whatever like had not heard of until earlier this year this, this is like the second time we've talked about them in recent weeks when it comes to rumors uh so maybe there's some truth to this but i i just can't see it happening i know tom what do you what do you think no i don't think i don't think there's any any chance of it happening to be honest um you know like adriano was saying he's 34 in september but like <laughs> you know you know what i mean and like this is supposed to be a team that's going to be you know, challenging for the team. I think his family settled in Sevilla. So, yeah, I think there is 
very little chance of it happening. On the other side, I think with Herrera, I think there is a chance that, that he leaves in the summer or whenever this season comes to an end. Um, I think that story that came out, I think, in the Independent in the UK... I don't know, I'm pretty sure his agent is 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 based in Europe. You know, it's not like a kind of Mexico-linked journalist and uh, agent, sorry. And I don't know, those European agents have the, I don't know, it's just, <laughs> that's what they do, you know what I mean? They leak little things out to the newspapers, um, you know, and, and it smacked of that to me. It smacked of an agent saying, hey, you know what, going to a journalist friend and saying, you know, Herrera had some interest from West Ham, you know, he wanted to stay to see if he would play some more, but he's going to reconsider in the summer. And obviously the idea is that then Herrera drums up some kind of interest from elsewhere. So, and I don't think he'll be short of interest Herrera. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's going to depend on, depending on what, on what he wants to do with his next step. I mean, you know, I think, he, I think more than Guardado Herrera is a fit for MLS. But I think Guardado in a way is, is getting a little bit past it now. Um, I'm not saying he can't do a job, but I don't think those MLS clubs are willing to spend as much money on those aging players. And, you know, if it in 30, 34 in September, you know, I think he's going to have another season at Betis considering his contract contractual situation. And then, you know, coming to, coming to MLS 35, I just don't think the mentality of MLS right now is, is for that. And I think Herrera would come into MLS and just be instantly the, you know, he could get big money and a, you know, three, four year deal and, and be the best midfielder in the league. No doubt about it. But, I don't know. It's a bit of a shame for Herrera because you know I really thought it was a great, great move for him, and you know it felt like he was waiting for that move, ran down his contract and everything with Porto. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 have to see. But yeah, I'd, I'd I think Herrera is much more likely to move than Guardado. Yeah, and with, with with Herrera, I mean, it was as soon as he went to Porto. At least from from my perspective, I mean, when I think of Porto, I just think of a club then you know helps players like almost graduate onto a bigger team so i think we're kind of waiting 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 for Herrera to finally make that big move especially after he became the the captain for the team and especially if, after seeing him there for what was it you know, five six years he was there for quite some time so when he made the move to atleti you thought like yeah this is his big moment this is him you know being with an elite team he's you know a, 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 a guy who cha- who who you know captain a champions league team he's gonna be a, an important figure here and you know, maybe hasn't lived up to the expect expectations we wanted. So it'll it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Um, like Adriana, if he goes somewhere. I mean, remember, there's there's nothing confirmed just yet. It's all rumors and whatnot. But like Adriana said, you know that he did come uh, to Atleti on a free. Uh, so Atleti could potentially let him go for. You know, maybe they don't have to make too much money or they don't have to set a too high of a price. But then again, who knows what the transfer markets how that's even going to look like. Who knows how that's even going to look like? When, how, why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's funny to talk about that. Cause like, you know, we, we mentioned that last week, it's just like, Oh, we'll see, you know, if West Ham make that deal. And then, and then you think you're just like, will there be a deal? What will deals look like in the summer? Are there going to be deals? There's just so many questions at this point. <laughs> but, uh, but any, any, any other final thoughts on Herrera or Guardado uh, from either before we move on to the next question? No, I'm, I mean, just hoping he has a better turnout um, with Atletico. I mean, I, I remember his, his first goal, which was really amazing and got fans to like cheer his name and everything. 
but still, I mean, it, it was a really like a tough decision to join Atleti in the sense that he came from a really comfortable position as being captain of Porto, knowing how everything worked, and then going to a, a team that's fighting for Champions League titles, um, trying to beat Barcelona and Real Madrid. So it is tough, but I hope he stays, though. I hope, despite the difficulties, I hope he stays, and I hope the team keeps him. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, uh, next we've got a question from Medina, who is at Chris Medina 4 on Twitter, and he asks, what are the chances that the next season of Liga Mekis will be bumped to 20 teams with Atlante and Celaya names being tossed around? Saludos. Love the podcast. Never miss an episode. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Chris Medina. Uh, did, you, did, Tom, you, did you add the last bit? No. <laughs> <laughs> and so, 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 like, I love that so, so guy is really intelligent. <laughs> Never misses articles. Uh, <laughs> no, he did actually add that. Um, Tom, well, We'll go. We'll go to you on this one. He's and he also says and 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 Tom is the worst soccer writer in the. Oh, just got missed. Mess, mess. Tom, what what are your Hold thoughts? On. Tom. <laughs> when he comes on, I turn it down. <laughs> no, but um, but yeah, the uh, the chances of twenty teams will, you know, I think there's two, you know, two sides of it. One side is the. Liga MX's, um, you know, the, the stated aim is to get to those 20 teams. So, you know, it's just a question of when. Uh, but the other side is that I think Bonilla has said that it's very unlikely to happen between now and next season. Um, and I, I basically think the reason is the same reason that, they, that, you know, none of these teams have got the certificate that they needed to, to get promoted. I just don't think there's a, an instant project there that you, that you can say that is now ready for the first division. Um, and I think that's the issue. Um, you know, th- there are a few clubs that would argue with that, 100%. I mean, I think Leones Negros, whenever I, I, you know, I've seen their press releases and the, the president has come out and spoken, it kind of, I do feel, you do feel really sorry for them because they're a club who, they are run quite well. I don't think they're ever going to have big money because they're run by the university, but, you know, they've got their own complex outside Guadalajara. They've got a stadium to play in. You know, they've got a women's team. They've got youth, you know, they've got a youth um, division. I mean, they have got a lot of the things that you need to get promoted. So, um, but yeah, I I think the Liga MX, I think the best way to put it is that I think Liga MX feels that the right projects aren't there. I think the other thing is there's very likely to be some kind of fee where you pay your way into the league, and I'm not sure Leones Negros would be would be willing to pay for that. But yeah, I mean, I think um, going back to to the question from Chris is that um, Atlante, from what I have heard, they're owned by an agent. <laughs> so I just I just don't think I don't think as things stand right now, Atlante is kind of going to be in the first division. I think that there's this ongoing rumor that they're going to move back to Mexico City. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I like the idea of Atlantic coming back to Mexico City and being in the first division, and you know. But they've got to have really strong ownership. They've got to have a strong ownership group. Ideally, they'd have their own stadium, which is you know the the right capacity, not like an eighty thousand Estadio Azteca where they only sell fifteen thousand tickets. I mean, I don't know. That's not what the league needs. I don't think. Um, and then Celaya as well. I mean, Celaya have got some money. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be right now. I think they're going to take the time with it, and I think it's more likely to be kind of in in twelve months' time um, when a couple of the you know when when they sort all this out. I mean, they've got to sort out the second division as well. So yeah, I'd say it's 
you know, it's a matter of time. I think there's there are a few, you know, there are a few options out there. I think um Zacatepec as well has got a really nice stadium. Um I think that Mazatlan there's that project that Angelica Fuentes has been kind of linked and then the rumor is that Amaury Vagara um kind of didn't wouldn't allow her to her project to kind of to you know to 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 pass through the league so that was um, so predictable that was entirely yeah. predictable <laughs> yeah, i mean but i mean you you have got a brand new stadium in Mazatlan just sat there i mean i don't know the ins and outs of you know the sports scene in Mazatlan i know you know obviously Sinaloa um and you know Culiacan, Mazatlan are more baseball cities and, and towns than than kind of football cities but um but it's not a big stadium either so i don't know it's uh there's a lot of issues as well. I mean, even like if you look at it, like the kind of the south. I mean, Alebrijes, Cafetaleros. I mean, Chiapas, Oaxaca. I mean, for me, Liga MX needs to have some kind of representation in in the country's south. Um, I'd like to see a team in Sinaloa. I think that state has given so much to Mexican football and, and Mexican sport in general in terms of the, how many sports people are from there. Um, that'd be nice. But then you've got that other issue that that we go back to where you know you've got so many you got teams that are in the second division that are owned by first division teams. Exactly. So it becomes really complicated. And I think that the idea from League MX right now is to kind of just weigh it out, sort out the second division and then kind of see how things develop and then moving forward. Yeah. I think people need to be patient with that. I mean, I mean, I almost, I almost feel like it would be surprising to see a team move up even after just a year. Maybe it's going to take two because you feel like they're going to need some time to rebuild in order to be eligible, or I guess, or to be ready in quotes, I guess we should put, you know, ready in quotes there to move up to the first division. So, yeah, we, we've heard about, you know, some of those potential rumored teams, some of those potential like clubs that can go up. But I, I think it's going to be a year or two, at least a year or two before we start, before we start potentially seeing one of those teams uh, going up. Adriana, your, your, your thoughts on this. Uh, what do you think the chances are? Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if it even took two years. But I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts? I think it. I think like the entire structure of Mexican soccer is is just so different from what they thought at the beginning of the year. I mean, I remember beginning of the year we were thinking about um, having less foreign-born players at the end of the semester. That was supposed to come in like July, looking into next semester and making sure that teams didn't go over. I think it was eight again or something, something like that. It was a, it was a drastic change. Um, we had the entire ascenso um, story come up, and then just. I mean, it, we have another league now. We have the Liga del Balompié Mexicano, which seems to be, I mean, it, it's coming in pretty strong. I mean, lots of people are talking about it. You have people like Carlos Salcido uh, joining like the structure of, of the league. And then you have Ramoncito Morales. Um, and it just changed entirely. And then with the, with the quarantine situation, I mean, we're seeing so many Liga MX clubs talking about reducing salaries, not only now, but as a permanent thing for the rest of the year. Because, I mean, most of them, yeah, they, they depend on, on the entrance fees for stadiums. I mean, all these sponsorships. And not all of them can actually just make it through the entire year with safely and with, with, with good uh, financial situation without taking those kinds of decisions. And then if that's happening to clubs that are already in Liga MX, already benefiting from past months with, with TV rights and, and other sponsorships, I can't imagine now Ascenso teams coming in and dealing with that same situation. I mean, because they are also probably struggling right now with having to pay players. I mean, they ended the league. Um, probably sponsorships are not coming in because they have no idea what's going to go on with those teams. 
Um, so it's taking a, an enormous chance with them. So it, it seems so difficult because there's not real certainty about how Mexican soccer is going to function next semester. I mean, we have the Development League, which which we still don't know too much about. I mean, they're talking about having a youth system, but then they ha they they can't just get rid of all the players that were in the Censo. So I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot about at least having eight players that are over the age of 23, which is enormous. It's it's another essential. I mean, yeah. you have you can have like eight players over the age of 23 for for a while. I mean, the whole point is to actually reduce um, that age limit of like as long as as, as it goes forward. But it's still, it just sounds so difficult because there is no real clarity about what's going to go on. I mean, we're still waiting to hear about teams like Leones Negros who are fighting the opportunity to just stay active and stay in, in a division where they can compete and they have a, a great infrastructure. So it's really difficult to actually think about Liga MX taking this opportunity, seeing as though so many teams are going to struggle, struggle or are struggling already financially to keep up with salaries of players, of all the coaching staff, um, and not really knowing when they're going to be back back in the field. Yeah, and I think, I think that, I mean, you I mean, kind of the big theme that you were talking about right there was the finances, which kind of gets me thinking to that one, you know, rumor. I think I think it was Tom who brought it up last time about a potential collective TV or collective sponsorship deal within the essential. Tom, have you heard anything anything else about that? Because I feel like that'd be huge. That'd be a really big opportunity for, for essential. Yeah, you heard from someone in like kind of the business that uh, I don't know, like it's um it would be a kind of uh, what, what how, do you, how do you describe it like a stepping stone like yeah. uh, into into then doing it for Liga MX just like kind of showing look this can work yeah, like yeah. let's do it with Liga MX so I think I think people within the industry are looking at the second division and, and kind of you know and seeing it seeing if it can be successful from that point of view but you know there's been reports come out saying that there's not much interest from the the television um, but I mean it's difficult right now to, to negotiate any kind of contract, you know, not, not for players, not for TV, not for sponsors. I mean, it's really hard because you don't know when things are going to get back going. I'm, I'm, I'm confident, given the level of interest that there is in Mexican football, and I, I think it, it comes on to the next question now about which teams are going to be kind of potentially in the Ascenso. Yeah. If you've got kind of an America B, Chivas B mixed in with teams from around the country, um, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be like the top-rated program every week. Obviously not. It's not going to compete with Liga MX. And if you, but if you, but if you find the right time for the games, which I think is a big thing as well, um, then then I think I think I can't see why te you know television companies wouldn't be interested in it. So um, yeah, I think the other thing as well, Cesar, just just to finish off yeah. the question is, yeah. you got to ask why they want it to get it to 20 teams, and I've never. The only answer that I've ever been able to kind of decipher is because of the MLS link. Yeah. Because of, otherwise, I don't really understand it. I mean, maybe if you have 20 teams, you have extra games, and then your TV revenue can be a bit more, um, you know, the sponsorship a bit more. I mean, stuff like that. But but then again, if the teams aren't there, it always feels like oh, it's, it has felt recently like they tried to force it to 20 teams, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Whereas um, the only reason, I, you know, concrete reason that I can think why they want it to 20 is because MLS has obviously got the, they've got the 30 right now, or they're going to get to 30. And I think the idea is for Mexico to have 20, and then they've got something in mind there that they can kind of work out between the two of them. But it's um, it's not easy to kind of to decipher why why they actually want those 20 teams. Oh, that's actually, I guess that's a pretty straightforward answer, because I've always had that question myself. In my mind, it was always, 
I always thought it's like, well, more teams equals more revenue equals more matches, which equals more interest. Which like I, I thought, I thought it was just strictly a financial thing within the league. But I guess I never thought about it uh, to have it kind of like parallel to to what hap- what's happening in Major League Soccer. I mean, obviously, you're not going to see thirty uh, something teams in Liga MX at any point in the near future. I mean, that would be astonishing to see that in the near future. But I, my my assumption was just the uh, you know, just the simple finances of just. Having more teams and more revenue, more games, more more matches, you know, more potentially more interest, reaching out to more markets. But I guess I, I guess it could potentially be a little bit of both too. Um, then perhaps, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think it does any harm. But then again, if you've got Vera Cruz in there, it does you a lot of harm. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, you know what I mean? It's it's like that. That was a disaster, and I think Lovas Boap, to be honest, with his disaster. When you look back at Lovas Boap, I mean, I know they started playing some good football for a time under Rafa Puente, but it's like. They had problems playing the players. They ended up. They didn't have a TV company for a long time, um, and they, they ended up kind of raising money, didn't they? To kind of they ended up raising, just like going around trying to raise money to to kind of fund the project. And I think I don't know. I mean, it's that kind of thing that they don't want, but they still want twenty teams. So I can't see it happening any other way than a, a franchise system where you put you together your project and you go and you go and talk to the league and the league kind of accepts you or they don't accept you and you pay a fee and you're in. I mean, I just think it's it's very much kind of moving to that model that is, you know, the the you know, the NBA, the NFL and all that, you know, all that kind of kind of model really. We'll swap cue the the lone wolf call coming from the stadium. Um <laughs> <laughs> you missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually I missed that on the old uh, the old Tiburon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dude. Oh right. yeah. The, the Jaws theme. Oh, that was brilliant. Uh, what is it? Uh, that was brilliant. I'd love to have been in that meeting. You know, been in the meeting where. Uh, all right. So uh, when we get a corner, what should we do? <laughs> hey, you know what? They call those Tiburones. Why don't we put the Jaws thing in? <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> I think Adriana each individually, like on separate occasions, <laughs> like, counted them. Yeah, we we actually counted them, like yeah. to see how many they, they did the the wolf call. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, such a good story. It did so well. I remember. <laughs> Adriana, how many? Okay, because I did it for like ten minutes, and I remember I forget the exact number. But do you yeah. remember how many you got to? Because you did it for a full ninety minutes, right? Like you, yeah. you actually counted. I remember how many how many it was like how many wolf calls that for the Lobo Swap Stadium? Oh my god, it was like over a hundred, I think, or something. It was just so crazy because you could get like a couple in the, like the same minute. I'm gonna I'm gonna search my Twitter account. I'm pretty sure I tweeted out so uh, I I can important. let you know. But that that was just epic. I mean, me just instead of watching the game, just like like writing down like jotting down lines and be like, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. Oh wait, th- th- yeah, that's another one. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that poor poor intern. That poor intern. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine because like because for example i mean like not to go on a little bit of a tangent here but uh, there have been times where uh where i'm at the the press box at the estado caliente and the person who's running the scoreboard like at, at an official league of Mekis match it's like some some random kid it's like he's got to be in his teens just like hanging out with his like friend and just like working the scoreboard and you're thinking like and you're like this guy's probably an intern right like they're not <laughs> he's the one who's literally pushing the button like to, to show like who scored the goal or not. But I actually anyway. found that it. it was 108. It was 68 oh. in the first half and then 40 in the second. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Exactly. And then I, I, the, the, the best thing is I had someone answer my tweet and said, "We we heard there were more howls than people in the stadium." 
right. Well, let's 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 get back on track here and go to the next question, uh, which is still related to the essential. Uh, and we kind of answered a little bit of it, but we could dive into it again. Uh, but it's from uh, it's a beautiful game who is at football underscore or on Twitter who asked, can you break down what teams potentially will be in essential? Do you think Bonilla's a so-called boycott will stop players and coaches going to the BLM? And by BLM, he means uh, Liga de Balompié Mexicano, the, the the new soccer league. So, Adriana, two different questions there. Y- your thoughts. We, we kind of talked about it a little bit uh, in, the, in the last question, but, but, but your thoughts. I don't see the Ascenso going through, like, in any way. I mean, teams, I mean, sadly enough, because I really do think there's some really interesting projects. I mean, I'd like to see some teams go back to the first division. I mean, they just bring in so much color and history. Um, like Leones Negros, like Atlante, which which I really disagree with their philosophy in the last years because they get some really great players and then they sell them off at like the first opportunity. Um, Sacatepec, like Tom mentioned. I mean, you you had Dorados, you had Maradona, just like yeah. like really close to making it to Liga MX and still um, missing out on that opportunity. But still, I think um, the decision was just so clear and those teams were struggling so badly to to make ends meet. So. It just doesn't seem as a possibility that they'll go through with, with the Ascenso. And I actually think um, the way that La Liga del Balompié Mexicano has been just managing itself and just building building up on it like so quickly, it I, I think it's, it is it is something that, that players will look into. I mean, it is an opportunity to stay active. Obviously, we have to look into if someone's going to have the TV rights, how they're going to make sure that people actually go to these games. But if they keep on doing things properly, I'm pretty sure that it, it would be interesting for the, to have a league like that. Just be so so independent from Liga Max and try to like fight them off with, with attention and having stadiums and, and games in places where there are no Liga Max teams. So I do think it's pretty interesting and it, it might be like the last chance for many players to actually stay in, in a professional uh, environment or, or semi-professional environment. So I don't think... Um, Liga Max will be able to actually stop it because it has so, so much momentum right now. But I think it's going to be really interesting, especially because of that. I mean, you have someone like Carlos Salcido backing yeah. it up. I mean, it, it he is a really important player. He is really vocal about it. I mean, national team captain Chivas um, experience in 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 Germany and and P, I mean in PSV. So I, I I do think it's going to be really interesting to see what that league brings, and I'm really eager to see if it can actually even compete against the the, the development league that Liga MX is trying to do to replace Ascenso. So yeah, I, I'm 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 rooting for them. I'm I'm interested by the league as well. I mean, another big name too is Ramon Ramirez, who, if I remember correctly, he's a sporting director over for uh, Ensenada FC. I mean, that's another big name as well. Because also, if you think about it, I mean. I mean, you think about the connections that these players have, you know, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the, I don't know, the, the kind of players that they could potentially bring in as well. Because I think for some players, they would love the fact to be able to play under Ramon Ramirez. You know, they love the fact they'd be able to join a league that Carlos Salcido, you know, is helping run. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how it develops and what happens. But, but, uh, and also I think if I remember correctly, there is, I think there, there is a rumor that the inaugural match might actually be hosted. Uh, by Ensenada FC, but obviously everything's still up in the air when this league's going to start. You know, I mean, we haven't even seen anything yet regarding, you know, official you know player signings just yet. But I think I think there's a, there's an, enough talent in Mexico to be joining these uh, joining these teams. And I think that also it's I don't know if, 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 if I know the United States is much bigger, but if the United States can support a, a number of MLS and USL championship teams and also Nisa teams, and also a bunch of other, there's like semi-pro semi, semi pro leagues out there. You know, why can't 
why can't Mexico support another league? Why can't it support this and Liga Mekis and also the Essential potentially and like a, I don't know even another league if there was if there was another professional league that was created. I don't know. I I just I just think that the more the merrier when it comes to when it comes to clubs in in Mexico and that gives more opportunities to players. I know, t- you Tom, know Tom, Tom, your thought. Or, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. The only thing um, I think is actually missing, and I think probably the division I worry most about at this point is probably the, the Segunda División. I think yeah. that's probably the, the division that's most affected by everything that's going on because no one really knows what's mm-hmm. going to go on with that division. I mean, usually you would have um, players that couldn't fit in the U20 teams, like for Pumas, America especially. I mean, they'd go over to the Segunda División and just gain all that experience that they still needed to make it through to Liga MX. And now if you're going to have the Development League, um, but it's not exactly the second division, but some second division teams are rumored to join that Development League. I mean, I think they're missing out on opportunity. I just don't understand why don't they make sure that that second division league actually is the development league itself and not have another one because it just seems as though they're trying to make too much and they they already have the structure. I mean, it is a segunda división. I mean, technically it's like if it were a third division, but if you just got rid of Ascenso, which was categorically a second division, then just skip over to the second, uh, to the segunda división, um, make it better, strengthen it. I mean, I think I have like 40 teams in there. Uh, and then just make sure that that's your new development. I, th- I think that would just make just be easier and make sure you actually take advantage of all that youth that already exists at that level. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, we, I mean, nobody ever talks about that that division. If ever, that's actually where Thickles are at right now, right? Like, I feel like Thickles they're they're in that they're in that league right now, and they're like in Serie A. I forget because yeah. it's, it's it's split up into different uh, leagues. But yeah, I mean, it's just I mean, it's just no one, no one, no one, no one pays attention to to that signaling division, I guess the Liga Premier, as some call it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I mean, I think teams potentially in the Ascenso, I think we've, you know, we hinted at it that, you know, I think it's likely that Chivas, America, Monterrey, Tigres, you know, and then possibly Pumas and Cruz Azul may, you know, may put, put teams in the second division. Um, obviously, you've got kind of a number of Liga MX teams that already have, you know, they've already got representation. So, Obviously, you've got Santos and, and Atlas, you've got Tampico, and then you've got Caretero and Tijuana, who have Dorados, and Pachuca and Leon, who have Zacatecas, Mineros. Um, and then I think there's going to be a few other clubs promoted from that Segunda División that Adriano was talking about. With, I don't know, they're talking about Tepatitlan, I think, has got a strong case, Tlaxcala um, as well. But, I mean, they're still, it's still up in the air. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to try and get it to 20 teams. Um, but obviously, that's what the kind of meeting about. That's how all the meetings going on right now is kind of to determine that. I mean, some, sometimes I think they should they should do this kind of stuff before they announce it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, it doesn't happen, does it? But um, yeah, I mean, I don't think Bonilla will boycott the the you know or the Liga MX will boycott the new um, Liga de Balompié Mexicano, but. I do. I'm not as kind of upbeat as I don't think as as you two have. have I think it's going to be if it gets going, it'll be a good place for players to go. But um, I'm really skeptical that they're going to raise enough money. That there's going to be. That's where I look at the TV deal, and I think where you're going to get. Who's going to pay for that TV deal? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you look at the, like the big players in the Mexican TV market. You know, you do the NA who are so linked with Liga MX and the national team, ESPN, who are kind of, you know, also heavily, I mean, heavily promote those two brands. 
and obviously in the States as well. And and I'm just thinking, who's going to want to take a risk out of the big players and put on your channel every weekend this this kind of rebel league? Um, and yeah, it has caught attention that the fact that you've got Salcido and you know Ramon Ramirez and, and these kind of bigger names, but I'm still sceptical. I'm still sceptical that you know all those teams will have the finances to you know not just throw the money down and say here we go is my uh, initial payment but you know to then get a, a squad together of 23 players um you know pay them regularly get a coach you know pay you know everything that goes around with creating a club i'm still a little bit skeptical that that they will be able to get it going but if they can yeah it's a it's a it's, a, it's another avenue for players to go down and i think yeah, that's definitely. that's something that this this country has badly missed i mean i think we've talked about it a lot but you know, if you look at a city like Mexico City or Guadalajara or, you know, especially even more Monterrey, more than Guadalajara, and then all the smaller, small towns that we call small towns, but really have got like a million people, like, and they don't have a professional team and stuff. I mean, there's there's so many opportunities, um, you know, that, that go missed in terms of players that don't get their chance. Uh, I don't think the scouting networks are great. Um, I don't think the way the play the teams in League MX recruit is great, and there's only there's only 18 teams there. So if 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 this is kind of going to be another another way of of, me- of the Mexican Mexican players, you know, getting themselves and and kind of you know being playing regularly, then you know I'm, I'm for it. Um, but I, I don't think League MX is going to make it easy at all. I mean, I don't think they're going to recognise the league officially. And therefore, if they can't get recognised by the FMF, I don't think they can get recognised by FIFA. Um, yeah. So I think all that kind of thing is going to be difficult, and that's going to complicate the path to kind of the TV rights and the sponsorships and and stuff like that. I think that's the the difficulty with the with the new new league. I mean, I, I know that. I mean, I imagine the the Ascenso. I mean, if if uh, they're probably going to have more attention, obviously, than the new the new league, but. I mean, if the if the Ascenso could get a collective TV deal, I don't, in theory, then why can't you know the new Liga de Balompié Mexicano? You know, like if, if it's a new league, it's a it's a new tournament. It's you've got some big names there. I mean, I would I would feel but, fairly interested. But I, don't, by, I just yeah. don't think there's any security. I think you've got a lot more security with the Ascenso, yeah. whereas with the new league, it's like in three months it could just go bust. Fair. You know, it's not it's not you've not got the link with the FMF. You've not got the link with the Liga MX clubs. You know, you don't know where the funds are coming from because that's a if you you know speaking to people in the game, that's another one of the issues that comes up. I mean, where you know if there is money there, where's it coming from? And obviously, that's one of the things that Liga MX is doing. To be fair to it, I mean, you know, it gets criticised a lot, and we criticise it as well. But um, it, I think it is making a genuine attempt now to kind of to not yeah, have kind of dirty money in. Yeah. yeah, and 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 it's what you know the top leagues in the world are trying to do as well. Um, you know, not all of them successfully because stuff happens in the Premier League as well, where you get, you know, really, really dodgy owners that, that are allowed to take over a club. But uh, I don't know. I, for me, Cesar, that's the that's the that's the difference. I mean, I, I just I don't feel as that security. And if there isn't that security, then I'm not sure if the the outside money from you know the sponsorships and the TV will come in. Um, I think it it might work on a local level, and maybe that's, what, that's, that's all it yeah, because that's what I was gonna say. That's what I was gonna say is that like. Is that if I was if I was selling the league to some sort of TV people, I'd be like, well, listen, you know, these are 
you know, some of these markets, well, I mean, I know there's only a handful of teams that have already been confirmed, but let's assume that a lot of the teams that are rumored to be joining or are in the process to be joining, uh, join. But I would say is that a, a number of these teams, you know, are, are in markets that don't have a Liga Mekis club. And you can, and you can then, you can then therefore have these local markets that can then have, you can then watch, stream, whatever, televise these games. Yeah. I mean, some of these cities aren't exactly as big as, you know, as Mexico City or Guadalajara, but I think you're you're tapping into new markets there. But yeah, I, I, see, I, I, I see your point too, Tom. I see I, I, I agree with you as well. So yeah, I mean, it's a risk as as Tom said. I mean, it's a financial risk because you don't have that structure like like Liga MX to back you up. But still, it's also an opportunity to do things differently than Liga MX and do those things that people criticize about Liga MX. I mean, I think they're they're thinking about having a, a year long tournament, which is something that people would have wanted to have in, in Liga MX. I mean, obviously you don't have it because of TV rights and everything, but, and that's just part of the reason. Um, it's just, it's just part of the base of why Liga MX is so financially stable most of the time. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's interesting, especially because of the markets. I mean, I'm looking at some of the names of the teams. Um, you have Chapulineros de Oaxaca, um, which you, you don't have a Liga MX team. You have Alebrijes in the Ascenso, but this is Chapulineros. Um, you have a team apparently in Acapulco. I do remember they were they were building a really nice stadium in Acapulco, so I'm guessing that's the one they're going to use. Um, Nesa, you have Atlético Ensenada. You have a team in Veracruz, Atlético Veracruz, which is what 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 whatever ended up from Veracruz. It's it's that team, I think. Um, Faisanes de Yucatan, and then you've got Zaragoza, um, Jaguares de Jalisco. That that one's going to be pretty difficult. If you're talking about yeah. Jalisco, where yeah. you already have like teams like Leones Negros, like Tecos, even though in, they're in the third division, like Chivas, like Atlas, that's a difficult market. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'd give it a shot. I mean, it is difficult. They do have so many things against them, but yeah. 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 I mean, it's just something like, I don't know. I think we made up points, but it's like the travel as well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It costs a lot of money to, to send 23 players plus the, the rest of the people f- to all these little towns as well. Well, they're not all little towns, but but you know what I mean? To, to, to travel around costs, a lot, costs money. But um, but yeah, I mean, the, the baseball in Mexico is is split as well, no? I mean, you've got yeah. the, the two rival leagues that aren't, they don't play together, so... You know, it's um, I don't know. I hope it works, to be honest, because I think, like I said, I think it's it'll give more players opportunities. But um, but yeah, we'll see. It's definitely definitely crazy times in it where we don't even know what these leagues are even going to look like. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're going to we're going to close things out uh, with another question from Luis Rodriguez. And he's asking, in the event that Liga Mekis and MLS combine someday, which is more likely to happen? Liga Mekis adopts adopts salary cap restrictions, or MLS gets rid of their salary cap rules. I don't see either happening. Tom, your thoughts? Uh, uh, well done, Adriana. <laughs> that win. Um, no, I don't really. I don't really see either happening. Um, like I know. I've kind of written about it and talked about it quite a lot, but I, I see the the concept of interleague play much more likely than a joint or merged league, which people seem to assume that's the end game. Um, I mean, it, it might be if everything goes well in terms of the interleague, it might it might be that they decide that this is just unbelievably amazing and, and financially extremely rewarding for everybody involved and then they like they find a way of making it happen but um but i think i think probably 
that Liga MX would probably have to adapt more to MLS. Um, and I think when you look at the financial situation, that some of them might not even be might even be not not be too bothered about that right now because it would probably bring down their uh, down their expenses in terms of wages because obviously Liga MX clubs in general pay pay higher wages than than MLS clubs. Um, but obviously the MLS clubs have got the designated player. But yeah, it's it's I think it's a major obstacle to a merged league because they're just two very different concepts. But um, but like we've seen with promotion and relegation, I mean, I think Mexico that step for Mexico. I don't think we should kind of undermine just how big it was, and it was definitely a step towards towards MLS MLS, whether people you know whether you like it or not. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that I don't think. I think that the the concept of interleague play means that you don't have to make that decision, and I think that's the that's the beauty of it. And it's not just this; it's also the TV rights, it's also the you know the shirt sponsorship. I think all MLS is made by Adidas, whereas you know in Mexico it's the individual clubs, um, TV deals, sponsorships, um, all that kind of thing. The kind of independence of both leagues. The beauty of the interleague play kind of model is that you don't have to come, you don't have to meet in the middle. And you don't have to completely you have to answer these questions, which there you know there are a lot of similar questions that that make you think, oh, a merger can never happen. Um, and and I think that yeah, I think I don't I don't see either happening either, Luis. To be honest, but I can see interleague being something that is is more realistic. Yeah, and I, I agree with. I mean, just basically going to reiterate what you said there, Tom. I mean, I I, I can't see either uh, either of those happening and i won't read it what tom said there that i think but that said in general um you know i think in most instance instances uh league of Mechies would adopt uh some sort of mls standard uh but this just seems it just seems very 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 unlikely and like tom said there you know i think what what seems perhaps even more ideal for both is to both kind of keep their respective roles, kind of, I guess maybe not even the roles, maybe even their idiosyncrasies, I guess you could say. They can keep their idiosyncrasies, they can keep their kind of, uh, you know, custom roles, but while still having interleague play and still having competition, still having the League's Cup, still having, as we've all talked about, a potential, you know, maybe if we wanted to to, to notate as the World Series of <laughs> of, of League of Akisamalas, you could potentially even have that. But yeah, no, I... I, I I, I can't imagine this happening anytime soon, but I guess we'll see. We'll see in the in the near future. Yeah, Adriana, your 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 thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, totally agree with with what you both said. I mean, everyone talks about MLS and Liga MX joining, but I mean, basic like basic economics is why have one league when you can have two? So just <laughs> yeah. yeah, just just keep Liga MX, just keep MLS. I mean, just have that interleague that Tom was talking about, and then just benefit both ways. You're gonna have the Liguilla. You're gonna have the Clásicos, you're just going to have everything that makes Liga MX, Liga MX, and MLS, MLS, plus the added rivalry of having them just meet each other in, in, in that interleague and, I don't know, fight for for dominance in, in the region. So, yeah, I, I can see that happening. I mean, we've we've seen the Interliga, um, it was like a, about 10 years ago, it was like 12 years ago. I remember they actually played at the beginning of the year and it was terrible because teams would actually travel like on January 1st and players were just coming in after having like New Year's and everything. And they would have to travel to the States. And you would have, during the summer, the Superliga. Um, I remember even Sven-Nor Goran Eriksson had to travel to the States to actually follow up on some Liga MX teams that were participating in the States back then. So it, it's been there. It just seems way more solid right now because of how much MLS has grown. So, yeah, just keep them both ways. You don't have to change any of them, like anything. That 
all those rules, all those salary caps make MLS what it has, what it is now. And that lack of salary caps in Liga MX make it what it is as well. So, um, yeah, just keep it that way and then have them meet each other um, for, for that interleague. And I think that's worth I think what's worth reiterating, too, is that for some odd reason, the conversation seems to be, well, you know, if Liga MX and MLS are going to you know make more partnerships together, it's just going to be black and white. Boom. It's going to be a super league. It's just it's, that's for some odd reason. People seem to think that that's what's going to happen, that if MLS and Liga MX make another partnership, it's just going to be boom, super league. You're going to have God knows how many teams, who knows what, what kind of complicated schedule or conferences you're going to have. And as Tom mentioned, it's, it's, it's probably not going to be that. I think I think what we talked about before in the past, too, is it's going to be a gradual process. And and we're seeing some of that. The League's Cup is expanding. We're seeing well, we're supposed to see the All-Star game this summer, but between the two teams, but who knows what will happen with that, you know, potentially have interleague matches going forward. So I think, it, yeah, once again, it's going to be a gradual process. It's not going to be a black and white thing where we're just suddenly going to have that Super League. And it's just, it, it, and, and I think both teams are, or both leagues are kind of testing the waters and seeing how far they can really go with this and how much, I mean, I guess for them, most importantly, how much money they can make off this too. All right. Uh, any other, any, any other uh, thoughts, Tom, uh, before, before we close out this episode? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting to uh, waiting for the uh, for the Mexican government this week to come out with the um, with the plan about how the country could be reactivated. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that because I think um, I think there's going to be some info about like real kind of info about about you know w- what's going to happen in terms of schools and obviously in terms of sports what the criteria is going to look like, how quickly it could happen. And, you know, I think we're going to get a, a fuller picture of, of when Liga Mates could be back because I think if we want learn one thing from what happened when Liga Mates shut down, it was they followed the government very, very closely. And I think the same it's going to be the same when we get to um, the opening. I think it's going to be all about when the schools are, when the schools go back. Um, so, yeah, definitely be keeping an eye on that this week. Adriana, any uh, final thoughts before we close things out? Um, well, yeah, I mean, just tons of expectation regarding Liga MX. I mean, we started hearing from clubs um, denying or confirming that they might be back, uh, I think, June 1st. So hopefully we'll start to see some clarity regarding like all clubs and what they're going to do with the salaries, making sure that no one really takes a, a huge financial hit. I mean, we don't want to see another Veracruz case, for instance, stuff like that. So, yeah, hopefully, um, I don't know, the Bundesliga, the Liga, hopefully MLS as well, start to set an example of how leagues can slowly come back. Um, because I, I, it, we, we usually say that sports is the most important thing out of the least important things in life. But, it, I mean, we've definitely missed sports in general right now. So it would be a huge like moral boost for everybody to have something um, to root for. Agreed. So uh, thank you to Tom. Thank you to Adriana. Thanks to listeners who send in all the questions. Uh, Don't forget to give us a rating and review on iTunes. Any and all reviews are greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated. Um, That's it for us. Uh, Stay safe out there. And until next time, we'll see you on the next edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. See you guys around.